He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Recently I saw a bumper sticker on a passing car that said, No gods, no masters. And that doesn't really work out so well for those who proclaim such an ideology. We all serve someone. And if it's not our Lord and Savior, it will be someone else. If we try to make of ourselves the ultimate authority or even gods unto ourselves, we end up letting ourselves down. And when we create other idols or other false kings, they also end up letting us down. There's a reason that there were two elements that made Israel Israel. And these two things that really defined the people of God was the prohibition to have images of the divinity. So there's this prohibition to have graven images and the prohibition of kings. Our Lord established a theocracy and he gave us the patriarchs and then he gave us the judges and that kind of started to peter out around the time of Samuel and he names other judges and they become corrupt and it all kind of disintegrates and so the people are looking around and seeing their neighbors, their pagan Gentile neighbors who seem to be doing quite well with their local kings and they say we want to be like them and this is really the spirit of the world. We look at others and decide how we ought to be. You know, the saints are not saints because they looked at each other and imitated each other. The saints are saints because they imitate Christ. Each one according to his state in life, where he is, with the gifts and the foibles that he has. When we have something less than Christ as our idol or as our king, it doesn't always go so well. Hence this prohibition, this double prohibition. And so it would seem that what we see in this epistle, this Christological hymn of Colossians, which is really a wonderful source for meditation, Christ is both of these things that have been pro prohibited. He is a king. He's also an image. He's an image of God. It says that. He is the image of the invisible God. Yes, but wait a minute. Images of God were forbidden. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, it says, Did you not hear the voice from the burning bush? You saw no image. And so, make no images for yourselves like your Gentile neighbors. We already see an intimation of the Blessed Trinity in that first revelation on Mount Sinai. The invisible Father, the, the flame that doesn't destroy is the Holy Spirit, the voice is the Logos, and the bush is a foreshadowing of the virginal womb of the Blessed Mother. And so this prohibition wasn't because images are evil, but because our human creativity will always fall short. So what is prohibited is the attempt to reduce our Lord to something He isn't or 
to elevate something that isn't our Lord to a place that doesn't correspond to it. And why is this? Precisely because in the definitive revelation of God the Father, who is Jesus Christ, this, He is the ultimate definitive revelation of God. He is the image of God. It says the icon, the icon of God. He is the definitive image. Why? Why is this one permitted? Well, one of the problems that our Lord says about the making images is they don't see, they don't hear, they don't smell. Well, the Word made flesh, sees, hears, and smells. He's taken upon Himself our nature without losing His divinity. And so in Him we see the true image of God. And therefore, because of the Incarnation, we can make images. Because of the Incarnation of the Celestial King, we can have Christian kings who participate in Christ through grace. And so our Lord wasn't making a definitive prohibition. He was protecting or trying to protect His people from the deviations that had to come. And then ultimately Christ is the fullness of what our Lord had in store, what God the Father had in store for His people all along. A true image and a true king. And we see the nobility of this king who is submitted to the scourging, who takes the thorns of the curse in Genesis and makes that a crown of glory. We see this nobility, this silent nobility before this, this human ruler whose authority participates in God. And therefore all rulers will have to answer for how they use their power, whether in the church or outside of the church. All authority comes from God. And we see the nobility, the silent nobility of this king. And in him we see what we are called to be. Rather than becoming embittered by injustice, our task is to silently offer sacrifice in reparation to our king, in reparation to the sacred heart. Instead of allowing embitterness to be sown in our heart, we see the example that our King gives us of sacrificial, redemptive suffering. We know that somebody is on the path to holiness when that person rejoices in suffering. Do I? Do you rejoice in suffering? Well, if not yet, then we've got work to do. We have this King who calls us to be fitting, worthy subjects who submit our every inclination, our affections, our thoughts, our words, our entire being to His kingship so that we can be fitted for His kingdom. We can be worthy subjects of such a king. Ambrose says, This is the gift of the Most High Father to His Son, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and in the depths, and every tongue confess that Jesus the Lord is the glory of God the Father. The Father, good Father that He is, wants to give everything to His Son from Himself, boundless love, and from creation, regal adoration and homage. It is the Holy Spirit who makes us true subjects of such a King.